Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. And uh, go to verse 26. If you have a a Bible, go ahead and just mark there verse 26. We're going to start there. And let me just set your expectations today, okay? Uh, I'm a teacher. I can't help myself, okay? If I'm teaching the Bible, i got to go slow for a little while. I'm going to give you some background information to this text today that will really make it uh, make a lot of sense for you. So will will y'all bear with me? Will you really lean in as I teach some information to y'all? you got to get the information before you make some application. Are y'all with me? So y'all help me a little bit. Y'all going to lean in? Okay. So uh, it holds your place at, uh, at Acts 8.26. And let me come back to that in just a second. Um, as you go there, uh, you guys know that, of course, I preach every, almost every Sunday here. I take about every, what, sixth week off or so. But uh, Ed Young Sr., I think it was him who once said that preaching every Sunday, he said it's, it's like giving birth <laughs> on Sunday and then being pregnant again on Monday. Now, all you ladies, you're like, how can he say that? That man never been pregnant. Well, bear with it. I mean, I I can connect with that. What I'm doing right now is hard work. I don't just show up and like, hey, y'all, let's talk about the Bible. The moment I'm done delivering, like I get off, I get off the platform, I go home, spend time with my family, but all through the week, like I'm in the Bible, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, praying over what's next in the text. So uh, it's, it's hard work. Okay, so I, I jive with that. I resonate with that. It's like giving birth today, then I'm, I'm pregnant again, <laughs> I'm doing that tomorrow. I'm going to show up next Sunday, I'm going to give the baby, you know, deliver the baby again in the form of the sermon. So that, 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 that jives with me. But here's what I want you all to know. Uh, I'm in the Bible every week. I write my own messages. I pray over my messages. And I do my best to bring it to you in an understandable way. All right? But here's what I want y'all to know, okay? Um, people say, oh, Pastor Scott, you know, you're the smart pastor. You got the PhD. And don't you have another doctorate? Yeah, okay. You got the two doctorates. Like, you're the smart guy. Well, I don't think of myself as the smart pastor. Uh, but I am a student of the Word. And I am a student of history. And so with that said, I write my own messages. But I want to show you two commentaries. Uh, that will help you. Because these are two guys that help me as I study the text. They give me some background information, some dates, and some of that. So look up here on the screen. First of all, this guy, his name is Stanley Horton. Uh, He wrote this commentary on the book of Acts. It's really, really good. It's simple. Uh, It's a little bit deeper than like what you would see in a study Bible. Okay, so I'll consult him. And then there's another one here, uh, I. Howard Marshall, Marshall, who uh, also wrote this, this really good commentary on Acts. Uh, they basically say the same thing. Okay, both of these commentaries say the same thing. But I, I draw from them when I give you dates and some of the information that you need to know. And so buy, buy these, buy one, maybe both, and follow along in these commentaries. I write my own messages, but I really, really rely on these guys and some others to give me some background information. So how many of y'all know it's good to give Give credit. And how many of y'all know by giving credit that hopefully doesn't diminish mine, it increases my credit and honesty with y'all. Does that make sense? So, so get these. Go through them and get other commentaries, okay? We stand on the shoulders of others. How many of y'all know God has placed other people in our lives to make us look better than we really are? Husbands, that would be your wife. <laughs> Are y'all with me today? All right, all right. Well, go in the Bible to Acts chapter 8, verse 26. With all that said, um, 
we're going to pick it up here today, and I'm going to teach y'all for just a little while and make some good application. And then at the end, I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and mess everything up in a good way. Y'all ready for that? If you're ready, say ready. All right. Well, um, as we begin today, the title of my message is this, and this is the, the best title I could come up with uh, that really describes what I'm trying to accomplish today. Here's the title. Somebody's waiting. Everybody say it with me. Somebody's waiting. How many of y'all know that God has a huge purpose for your life? Raise your hand if you know that. Raise your hand if you know what that purpose is. Raise your hand if you have a pretty, well, maybe I need to preach another message today. Uh, raise your hand if you, if you have a pretty, pretty good idea what that purpose is. Okay. Well, uh, if you don't know, I'm, I'm here to help you with that. Uh, but listen carefully. A, a lot of people think that God's sole purpose for their lives is to save them from hell and to take them to heaven. Now, how many of y'all know going to heaven is a very awesome truth in the word of God. How many of y'all can't wait to spend eternity with Jesus, with God in heaven? I mean, come on, y'all. And being saved from hell. Come on. How many of y'all know God only, he not only saves us from something, he always saves us for something. He saves us for a relationship with him. So thank God that we're forgiven. We're not going to hell. We're going to go to heaven if we're in Christ, if we're in that relationship with him. But a lot of Christians, they, 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 they say, well, my, my purpose is, well, God saved me and my purpose is to go to heaven. But let me quote my old pastor, Pastor Ray McCollum. He says it this way. If God's sole purpose, and the key word is soul, if his sole purpose was to take you to heaven, then he would have killed you the moment that you got saved. So you saved a prayer, and if his sole purpose was to get you to heaven, then right there, boom, you'd be raptured, you'd be taken straight into heaven. But you're still here, aren't you? Come on, raise your hand for here. That's very deep, isn't it? You're here. (laughs) You're here. You didn't die when you got saved, which must mean that God has a purpose for you while you're here on earth. And I like to say it this way. I say it this way all the time. The goal of Christianity is not just for you to go to heaven, but for you to pray heaven to the earth. I mean, y'all know it's one thing to go to heaven. That's incredible. But while we wait on that, God has called us to be vessels of heaven here in the earth. Does that make sense? So with that said, again, some Christians, they, they restrict God's purpose to this or to that. Some Christians believe that they are fulfilling God's purpose. Watch this. This might be you. By simply going to church every Sunday or by being a good Christian, whatever that means, from Monday through the rest of the week. If you're doing those things, some people think, well, man, that's God's purpose for my life. All right, listen carefully. You should come here to church, to this building, to this gathering every single weekend. If you miss a week, we will give you grace. I know hunting season's coming up. Come on, y'all. You're going to, some of you men and some of you ladies, you're going to go shoot some of God's beautiful creatures and hopefully eat them, okay? Hunting is from the Lord, okay? Take dominion. The Bible teaches that. There are football games. There's all kind of stuff going on. But is your pastor, can I challenge you? Can I challenge you? Y'all are looking at me like the first service. Can, y'all got to speak to me. Can I challenge you? Talk to me. Okay, okay. Try to come to church every single Sunday. Try to get in your discipleship group every single week. Try to meet with the people of God every single week. Because listen to me, you cannot do this alone. How many of y'all know it's been said that the only thing you can consistently do on your own is fail? Did y'all hear that? We need to be with one another under the preaching of the word, hearing the word, worshiping together, because the aim is for you to come here and get filled up so you can go out there and overflow. 
So try to come to church every Sunday. If you miss a Sunday, it's okay. We can give you grace. But listen, it's good. It's a good thing to come to church every Sunday to hear the word. It's good to be, watch this, a faithful member of this church. If you're not a member and you want to become one, every Sunday, 1030, meet right out here. We'll get you situated in the membership class. We've got one going on right now. And we'll help you become a faithful member of this church. But if you're taking notes, write this down because this is so important, what I'm about to say, because I'm going to tap into your purpose right now. If you're taking notes, write this down. God has not only called you to be a faithful Christian, he's also called you to be a fruitful Christian. Let me say it again. He's not only called you to be a faithful Christian. He comes to church every Sunday and you do all the Christian things that, that are associated with Sundays. He's not only called you to be a faithful Christian, he's also called you to say it with me, to be a, to be a fruitful, everybody say it, come on. Fruitful Christian, a, a productive Christian, a successful, if you will, Christian. He, he really wants us, in the words of Jesus, to bear fruit and fruit that what? That remains. Now, if you have your Bible, we're going to go to a couple of scriptures before we get to Acts. Uh, flip to Genesis 128. We're going to have the scripture here if you want to circle it and mark it in your Bible. This theme of fruitfulness is like all through the Bible. But the first time we see it mentioned is in the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1, verse 28. The Bible says this. This is God speaking. And God blessed them. Look at what it says. And he said to them, to Adam and Eve, do what? Be what? Be what? Y'all say it. Be fruitful and do what? Multiply and do what? Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Now, let me translate what that means. Adam and Eve, y'all have babies. Like, have babies. And make sure that they have babies. Encourage them to have babies and fill the earth. Be fruitful. And all God's people said amen. Have babies. Have babies. Be fruitful. Be, in that way, productive. Go and have babies. But then he goes on to say, he says, multiply, fill the earth. And what? Subdue it. Meaning, Adam and Eve, you're to have dominion over the world. You're to expand the rule of God into the world. So go. How many of y'all know God's given us authority to go? Nobody knows that. How I many of you know God's given us all authority to go? To go, to make disciples, to cast out devils, to preach the gospel, to see the sick healed, to see the dead spiritually raised. Some of y'all know we have authority in Jesus. Some of you didn't know that, but you're going to find that out today. But Genesis 1.28, that's what we see. But then check it out. Go, to the, go uh, to the New Testament, John chapter 15, verse 5. I've already alluded to this. Jesus picks up on this, this idea, this topic, this theme, watch this, of fruitfulness. And here's what he says. Jesus says this. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches, and he says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is, or she it is, that does what? Talk to me. That does what? Bears much what? Fruit. For apart from me, you, we can do what? Nothing. Now, let me break this down. We're going from the natural having babies to now to, to the spiritual. He said, if you remain in relationship with me, I'm the vine. Picture the vine. She said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you stay connected to me, if you remain in me, in relationship with me, then you will bear fruit. And not just fruit, but what? Much fruit and fruit that, according to verse 16, fruit that remains. Now you say, okay, Pastor Scott, that's great, but what, what's the fruit? Like, talk to me about the fruit. Well, I think the fruit is this. I think he's referring to two things. If you're taking take notes, write this down. First of all, the, the fruit of Jesus' character will be produced in your life. So on one hand, 
as we remain in relationship with him, if you stick close to Jesus, check, check it out. You will, if we say the words much fruit, you will look much like Jesus. How many of y'all want to sign up for that? I want to talk like Jesus, speak like Jesus, walk like him. I want, I want to act like him. Jesus is saying, if you remain in me, I'm going to have such an influence in your life that you are going to look much like me. That's fruit. Come on, y'all. The fruit of love. Paul calls it the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, et cetera, et cetera. That's one, that's one aspect, okay? But he's also referring to, watch this, missional fruit. It's not just looking much like Jesus. It's doing much for Jesus as we reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know that God wants to reach people through you? Did you know that? Did y'all know that the task of evangelism is not just on me? I'm here to equip you so you can go out the doors and be the body of Christ to reach, to, to serve, to get down and literally paint and throw mulch and to preach the word of God, to be Jesus' hands and his feet in this community. What a privilege that is, huh? Now I'm working hard, y'all. You got to help me a little bit. So much fruit is moral fruit. It's missional fruit that there are people that God wants to reach through you. So as you stay connected to him, he'll stay in you and he'll produce his, his work through you. How many of y'all know it's not me doing this? It's Jesus doing this through me right now. Are y'all getting the picture? So moral fruit, not just a little, but, but how much? How's he say it? Much fruit, okay? Play on words here. Listen to what one New Testament scholar says about this. Leaning carefully. Bruce Molina says this. He says, The people presented in the pages of the New Testament would see their existence as determined and limited by the natural and social resources of their village. Such socially limited and determined existence could be verified by experience and lead. Watch this lead to the perception that all goods available to a person are, in fact, limited. So here's the way, let me put it in other words. In other words, you can only produce what your natural resources will allow. If you're in a village, you're in an area... There's only so much sunshine. There's almost so, so much soil. There's, almost so, there's only so much you can do and produce from your natural circumstances. So, let me say it again. You can only produce what your natural resources will allow. But, when you get connected to Jesus, you are connected to a supernatural relationship that empowers you to bear not just fruit, but much fruit. How many of y'all are thankful that we're not limited by the natural world or our natural circumstances, that we have the ability to tap into supernatural power as we stay connected to Jesus, the vine, and as he lives through us, his power is demonstrated through us. So we're not limited by the world. We're not limited by the things of this world. Y'all, think about this. You're like an electronic device full of potential, but you can't be used on purpose until you're plugged in to the source. How many of y'all know when you get plugged into Jesus, you're plugged in to the power source of heaven, and then heaven comes the earth through you. Boy, I'm working this hard. Are y'all with me? So you're not limited like villages were limited. People were limited in their natural experience. There is no limitation on what God can do through a faithful man or woman of God. There's no limitation. Did y'all get that? Because some of y'all place limitations on yourself that God didn't put there. He didn't put it there. You put it there. 
Because you're relying on the natural instead of being tapped into the supernatural. See, when you're connected to Jesus divine, the, the nourishing sap of the word of God, it, 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 it just translates and flows through your spiritual veins. So you don't live life in the natural. You live life in the supernatural. So the way I say it is this. If you want a natural, if you want natural fruit, plant a garden. If you want supernatural fruit, get connected to Jesus the vine. And when you do, church, when you do, and you stay connected, you will bear fruit for God. You will look much like Jesus. You will do much for Jesus. You not only look like him, but you also, watch this, win people to him. Oh, and you are satisfied just coming to church, hearing three good songs, and Pastor Scott gave me a good message, mm, I'm going home, and that's it. No, no, this is just the beginning. Because listen, when you begin to witness for Jesus, when you begin to pray for people, when you start sharing the gospel, casting out demons, praying for the sick, activated in the community, whoa, watch out, devil. How many of y'all know the devil doesn't care about us coming to church one day a week? I'll tell you what he cares about is when the church is unleashed and sent into the church the rest of the week, not just saying we go to church, but being the church in the community. Come on, y'all. That's what gets him a little concerned. All right, I think I got your attention. Y'all with me? So check it out. This is what we've seen as we walk through the book of Acts. We've seen the early church, by the power of the Spirit, explode with growth. <laughs> explode. I mean, we started with, what, 120 in Acts 2? And by the time you get to Acts 8, I mean, we're, we're north of 20,000 people. We're not even Acts 9 yet, y'all. 20,000 people in a short period of time. How many of y'all know that's much fruit? How many of y'all know that's a lot of fruit? Wouldn't it be cool if we went from 120, I mean, we're at, what, 800, 800? Think if we went to that, to 30,000. I mean, th think, think about that. Well, that's what happened. They bore much fruit. So the believers started where? Jerusalem? Jesus said, you're going to be my, my, my witnesses where? Jerusalem? Then where? All Judea? And then where? Samaria? And then where? To the end of the earth? So you're going to start here locally, but you can't stay local. You got to go. Some of y'all have been staying where it's comfortable, and today Jesus is going to kick you out of the nest and say, it's time for you to go. Get up out of here. Get up and go, go, go and bear fruit for me. So they started there, ended up, we see in the book of Acts, the, the, the borders of the gospel. We see the church growing as people, as these early believers go forth. And so today we're going to pick it up in uh, Acts 8.26. And, 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 and listen, listen to what Luke tells us about the spread of the gospel. I mean, I'm going to apply this right to your life in a second. But let, let's begin here in 8.26. Here's what Luke tells us. Y'all ready? Here it comes. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip. The angel of the Lord said to Philip. Uh, or an angel, the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down, everybody say down, from Jerusalem to Gaza. And he says, this is a desert place. And he rose, Philip rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. Now that's a mouthful. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, stick with me. Lean in on this. Let me teach you for a minute. An angel of the Lord speaks, commands Philip to go. Go where? Well, essentially south. 
to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, now, write this, if you want to write it in your margin or circle in your Bible, to go to a desert place. (laughs) Okay. Now, if you're reading your Bible, you might skip over this pretty quickly, but this just jumped off the page when I was studying this passage. Go to a desert place. Now, that sounds kind of odd, doesn't it? If you're Philip the Evangelist, and you're responsible for people getting saved in Samaria, and you've been going into these towns watching magic shows and preaching the gospel. You remember Philip and Simon the Sorcerer is a magic show? Was it the magic or the Messiah that was going to win the day? Of course, the Messiah won the day in Samaria. Philip is like on the move. But think about if you're Philip. Think about if you're an evangelist. I mean, come on, evangelists love crowds. Evangelists love crowds. Think about this. You hear from the angel of the Lord or an angel, and he says this, go to the desert. Think about that, you. Come on, that can kind of be insulting, can it? Go to the desert? What's in the desert? Send me to people. Send me to cities. I want mass revival. I mean, that, that's what I would be thinking. This angel saying, go to the desert? Now, some of you, I mean, if that were you, I mean, let's be honest. I don't think that was the Lord. <laughs> you'd start binding up the devil. You'd bind every demon from here to Natchitoches. you get behind me, Satan. The Lord's not calling me to the desert. There's nothing for me in the desert. I'm going into the promised land. Some of y'all would talk that way. Because, you know, in the Bible, the Bible talks about bringing us out, out of Egypt, into the promised land. Like, I'm not going to the desert. I've been wandering there. I'm not going back there. Some of us would talk that way, and, and some of us would because, here's the truth. Some of us would say, I'm not going to the desert. There's nothing there for me. That's right. There's nothing there for you because it's not about you. Are y'all with me? Oh, as Christians, I got to go get me mine. If you have Jesus, you've already got yours. I got to go get the blood. You got the blessing in him. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You can't be any more blessed. And I know what you mean. I mean, there's some practicalities. I'm going to go get my financial blessing. I'm going to go get that. I, I, I got it. But, but I, a lot of us are, ah, God would never call me to that place, to that desert place, because there's nothing there for me. But it's not about what you can get. How many of y'all know it's about what you can? Oh, if you get that about your Christian life, it's not about what you can get, but it's about what you, by the power of God, can give then you'll start looking at the desert places all around you as opportunities to become life-giving springs to other people. Oh, because your, your marriage might be dry. Your circumstances might be dry. Your finances might be dry. But how many of y'all know if you're connected to Jesus the vine, you're connected to the life-giving source of heaven, and though you walk through those dry seasons circumstantially, you will be full of God, bearing fruit in the desert, fruit in the famine. Everybody's looking at you going, how, how? Because of Jesus. One name, Jesus. As I stay in him and he's in me, he's bearing fruit through me in all that I do. Whether it's a circumstantial famine or whether you're walking through financial blessing, it doesn't matter because as you stay close to Jesus and he's in you, you will bear much fruit and fruit that remains. How many of y'all would like to sign up for that? Lord, put me down because I cannot control my circumstances. Sometimes, some things about them, but ultimately, that's in God's hand. But what I can control is my intimacy with the Lord. How many of y'all know he's as close as he's ever going to get? It's not really God, 
come, come near. How many of y'all know he's come? It's not about God come near. He's like, I'm already here for you. You draw close to me and then I will give you my word. I will fill you with my spirit. How many of y'all know he can't get any closer? Do y'all understand that? If you are in Christ, he is in you. It's not God come. It's God open my eyes so I can see that you're already here. And in a righteous way, take advantage of the power of God that lives within for the good of people and the glory of God. So let me get out of my introduction. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. So that, that's the context. Everybody say context. All right, so number two, uh, what I love here, this I was reading, here's what stuck out to me. Uh, Philip didn't ask any questions. When an angel of the Lord came, he didn't say, let me pray about that. How many of y'all know, you never have to pray and ask God, Lord, should I obey? You know, Christians do that. The Lord speaks so clearly. He tells you what to do. He tells you to repent. He tells you to give. He tells you, and then you're like, well, I'm going to go pray about that. Well, if you go to the God who inspired that word, if you go to God, you know what he's going to tell you? When you ask, what should I do? He's going to say, the last thing I told you to do through my word. What's God calling you to do right now? The last thing that he asked you to do that you ignored. Ooh, my name is Pastor Scott, and I'm your friend. I'm your buddy. We've all been there, haven't we? God's spoken clearly, told you to do something. I'm going to sit on that word for a while. I'm going to let it kind of just, I'm going to let it marinate. Don't let it marinate. Because the longer you delay, the less likely you, the less likely you are to obey. It gets harder, doesn't it? God speaks. Ooh, act quickly. If you haven't, close that gap. Say, Lord, I'm sorry you spoke. I didn't act. Forgive me. I'm getting back on track. Philip didn't ask any questions. He didn't hesitate. He rose. And he went. No questions. He might have had some. Like, why are you sending me to the desert? He didn't ask, at least not out loud, that Luke records. When God says go, come on, y'all. How many of y'all know we got to go? And when he says obey, we, we need to obey. And the quicker we do so, the better. It's been said slow obedience is no obedience. So some of us, perhaps this is you, probably people at Crossroads or another church. I'm teasing. People in other churches. Lord, they're praying about the future. Show me what to do. People, let's say it this way. People at the Lafayette campus do this. I'm picking on people today. I'm being silly. Show me what to do about this relationship. Show me what to do about... Okay, that's good. Pray for the future that God will show you. But listen, the question is not just, okay, Lord, what should I do in the future? Good to ask the question. Here's a real question. Are you obeying God right now in the present? Well, I'm praying about what's to come. That's good. That's good. But are you obeying Right now, are you obeying the voice of God in your immediate, right, like now, like now, in your own circumstances? Listen to what Elizabeth Elliot says. This is so good. She says, does it make sense to pray for guidance about the future if we are not obeying in the thing that lies before us today? Listen, she says, how many momentous events in Scripture depended on one person's seemingly small act of obedience? Rest assured. Do what God tells you to do now and depend upon it. You will be shown what to do next. 
Boy, that's good. Obey him now. As you obey him now, then as you go, he'll show you more. And as you go, you continue to be obedient. He will continue to show you more. Y'all picking up what I'm laying down? Mm -hmm, That's good stuff right there. So check it out. This is essentially what God did for Philip. Philip obeyed. Everybody say obedience. Oh, we got an allergic reaction to that word, don't we? Oh, it's all grace. That's right. It is all grace. And grace teaches us to say no to ungodly passions, worldly things, to say yes to God. Grace is involved in our forgiveness. And grace is also the empowering impetus in our lives, driving us forward to obey the will of God. Did y'all get that? It's grace. Everybody say grace. It's God's favor in our lives. Yes. Philip obeyed. He did what God told him to do. He went, he obeyed, and then God showed him more. So check it out. When he gets there, when he gets to the desert, on this desert road, he sees this Ethiopian. Now, let me slow down a little bit. This is a mouthful, even to, to read and then even more to explain. An Ethiopian, everybody say Ethiopian, eunuch, who, it says, a court official of Candace, you don't have to say that, queen of the Ethiopians, and this man, let's call him the EE, the EE, Ethiopian eunuch, was in charge of all her treasure. I mean, what a job description, huh? Let me break this down for you. Check, it, check, check, check this out. So this man is from where? From where? From Ethiopia. Black man. Ethiopia. But this man is a what? A eunuch. Raise your hand if you know what a eunuch is. Okay, so most of y'all don't. Totally cool. Let me teach you. A eunuch is someone who would serve in the royal court. Of course, a man who uh, had been castrated. Okay, let's be mature about this. Castrated to prevent that man from being tempted sexually to get together with someone in the royal court. It would prevent him from being sexually active and prevent him from being tempted to promulgate and promote his own dynasty through his own lineage. Okay? So we have an Ethiopian. He's a eunuch. Castrated. Okay? He's there, and he's in his chariot. He had traveled to Jerusalem to worship. He's a God-seeker. Now. This, this man, this Ethiopian eunuch, we're told, was the treasurer, the treasurer to the queen of Ethiopia. Now watch this. The king in Ethiopia was her son, but the king was seen as divine. And so watch this. He was seen as being above all work. Isn't that convenient? So, so the king delegated responsibility to and through the queen. Okay, so the Ethiopian eunuch is here, and he is the one who kept uh, uh, watch over. He was the one in charge of all the queen's treasure. He was like the CFO to the queen of Ethiopia. How many of y'all know that's a big responsibility? So the Ethiopian eunuch was in charge of her treasure. He is riding through, coming back from his worship experience. And so here we see Philip being sent to the desert to meet him. Question, what could possibly be in the desert? Treasure. The treasurer of Candace, queen of Ethiopia. What could possibly be? Who could possibly be in the desert? Oh, just a man who's connected to the queen, who's connected to the king, who has charge over an entire kingdom. How many of y'all know if God gets a hold of one person, it can change a nation? One person 
who hears the gospel and believes the gospel has the ability from God to impact a whole people group. So check out all, check out all the potential here. Philip's going to share the gospel with the EE. The EE is connected to the queen, and the queen's connected to the king, and the king uh, resides over the kingdom. And how many of y'all know there's potential here for the kingdom of God to invade the kingdom of Ethiopia and for the kingdom of God to penetrate and change everybody's life? Are y'all tracking? Oh, because we're satisfied with being faithful, but God wants us to be fruitful. But how many of y'all know He knows the way that that takes place? The desert looks foolish and stupid, and it looks like a waste of time. But God was in charge of this whole thing. Let's keep reading. So, check it out. He, Philip, traveled there, encounters the Ethiopian eunuch. The EE traveled hundreds of miles to worship in Jerusalem. And this man was a God-fearer. He believed in God, the God of Israel. But he didn't have all the, all the information about this God. So he traveled to worship, and this man was hungry for God. How I many of you know, if you're hungry, you'll go wherever you can go to worship and find the Word of God. There's more conviction up in this Ethiopian eunuch than in a lot of Christians, even in that day, to travel that far to find the truth. How I many of you all know, if you're searching for the truth, God's going to send someone into your life to help you to understand the truth. But you've got to be hungry, and you've got to be humble. But this man traveled. He was a God-fearer, a God-seeker, but he still hadn't found what he was looking for. That'd be a good title for a song. Somebody write that down. So listen to what Luke tells us. And the Spirit said to Philip, here's the second command. First time was an angel, wasn't it? You remember? And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. So Philip, what did he do? What did he do? He ran. I mean, this dude is like on fire. Chariots of fire. This dude's running. All right. Quick obedience. There's no like, oh, Lord, let me, you know, let me pray about that. No, he ran. Now picture this. Ethiopian eunuch in the chariot, had a driver going along this road. And I don't know how fast, but Philip had to run to catch up to the EE. Go to the chariot. So Philip ran and heard him, the EEs in the chariot, reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, he had, some, I guess, some good ears with that, or the EE was reading it out pretty loud. He heard him reading Isaiah, and he said, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Now, that's a very good question. That's a very good question. Do you understand? Here are you reading aloud the prophet who spoke hundreds of years ago in the past, but do you understand that? Now here, he says, I love his response. He, he said, how can I unless someone guides me? What a humble response. A man who was high ranking, who had charge of all this treasure, had all this influence, was honest enough to say that he didn't have a clue unless someone helped him. Y'all, we can learn a lot from this Ethiopian eunuch. How can I unless someone explains this to me? Now, it's like you walk in over to someone in Starbucks, and they're reading the Bible. And you can look by the perplexed. You can see on the perplexed look on their face that they don't have a clue what they're reading. It's like you walk in over. Do you, do you understand that? Not one word. Put the Bible down and get out your Jesus calling. Come on, somebody. 
I don't understand a word. How many of y'all grew up in the church, grew up, just you, you read the Bible here and there, but you didn't understand much of what it said? Let me see your hands. Just be honest, okay? Okay. How can I unless someone explains it to me? What an incredibly humble response. As I was thinking about this eunuch and how he applies to us, you know, in a room this size, I don't know, what do we have? Several hundred here. Y'all are in different places in your spiritual journey. Some of you, you're just getting started. Maybe you grew up in a Catholic church, attending that church, and maybe you've been in this community, you kind of dabbled in Christianity a little bit, but you just recently truly got born again and like you're fired up. And, but but let's, just, let's be honest. You're a little bit confused and you don't really understand much of what you're reading in the Bible and much of what you're doing. Listen to me carefully. I love people like you. Because guess what? That's where all of us start. Let me say that again. Nobody gets saved and then just has a Bible, opens it up, and understands everything. How many of y'all know it's a process? You grow over time, not while you go run in a corner with just you and your Bible, but as you invite people into your life to help explain what the Bible means and how it applies. How many of y'all know we all need help? But although we all need help, not all of us are willing to ask for the help. There's some of you been saved a long time and you should be farther along, but you're not because you have not been like the EE. You have not invited someone into your life to help you. My name, y'all know my name and you know what I am. I'm your friend. Some of you, you're new at this and you're like, I don't, I don't. You're like, when I say turn to the book of Acts, you're like, Acts, like, you know, you don't get it. Like you're, you're not really thinking that, but you're like, where's Acts? I told one guy, turn to the book of Genesis. And he's like, where's that? I love people like that because I would rather work with someone who just admits that they don't know than to meet with someone who thinks they know everything. You can't do something with someone who's full of pride and think that they know everything. I love it when a person comes and says, I just don't know. Will you teach me? You better believe it. For a couple hours every Sunday and even beyond. I love meeting with people at Starbucks and elsewhere. But some of you just don't know. I thank God that you're here. I thank God that you're here. If you're just getting started and you don't know, but listen to me, don't settle for where you are. If you've been been in this for 20 years, don't settle for where you are. Invite somebody else into your life so that person can take you to where God wants to take you. How does God do it? Usually through other people. It's been said the only thing that you can consistently do on your own is fail. I mean, y'all know we all need help. Chris Hodges, pastor in Alabama, tells a story about a girl, a lady who came up to him, I guess it was at the end of a service one day, and she said, hey, love the church, love what's going on here, love what y'all are doing in the community. But you put those scriptures up on the screen and uh, put, put one up, Phil. Let's see it up here on the screen. Um, she said, uh, she said, it's Acts, and then there's the, the first number eight, and then there's the, she said, there's the dot dot. She goes, what's the dot dot? And he's like, oh, and he explained, well, you know, there are chapters in the Bible and then there are verses. She had no idea. She said, what's the dot dot? Listen, to some of you, that's how you're like, what's the dot dot? Listen, I love people like, like you. If you're wanting to know what the dot dot is, if it's something that simple or way deeper, come on, y'all. We need people in our lives to help us understand. You don't know what you don't know. Just admit it and say, help me. 
If you get anything from this today, here's what I'm asking you to do. Be humble enough to invite someone into your chariot to help you grow as a believer. And for those of you who've been saved a long time and you think you've arrived, know this, you haven't. The first question is this, have you invited someone into your life to help you in your spiritual journey? Number two, for those of you who've been around a while, have you made yourself available to help others in their spiritual journey? I'm a disciple. Someone say, I'm a disciple. Well, good for you. Are you making disciples? Well, I know the word, pastor. Good, good for you. Do you ever share that with anybody else? My name is, and I'm your, yeah, you know. I'm a disciple. Have you made one disciple in your life? Just a question. Have you poured into anyone? Have you poured into someone since you've been saved? I'm challenging y'all. Oh, because the longer you're saved, the more you're around, sometimes the less the responsibility you feel. Somebody else will do it. Oh, if you're taking notes, write this down. Philip climbed into the EE's chariot. Watch this, watch this. Give me something practical. And he made time for him. One of your greatest abilities is simply your availability for other people. Y'all, it doesn't get any simpler than that. To say, okay, I'm just a couple steps ahead of you. Let me meet you at Starbucks. Let's get together. And whatever God has given to me freely, I have received freely, I will give. Listen carefully. A few minutes with someone can impact them for eternity. And how many of y'all know eternity is a long time? It doesn't get any more practical than that. Just a few minutes with someone to take some time out of your day to climb up in somebody's chariot to get on, to get on their turf to share some truths that can change their life. What an incredible privilege, huh? If you don't believe me, well, just ask Philip in the EE. But we're almost done. Check it out. Acts 8, 32 through 34. Now, the passage of the scriptures, the scripture that he was reading was this. He's going old school. Here's what, here's what the EE was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before it shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. Verse 33. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Okay, that's the passage the EE is reading from the prophet Isaiah, prophesied hundreds of years in the past, ago in the past. And so the eunuch, he reads this, and, and, and here's what he says. And the eunuch said to Philip, great question. About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? What a really good question. Now, we read Isaiah 53, and if you've been saved for a week, you read it and you're like, ah, Jesus, right? He was slaughtered, he, was, he suffered, he was like a lamb led to the slaughter and kept his mouth silent. It's Jesus. How many of you know the entire Old Testament points to Jesus? And the entire point of the Old Testament is Jesus. Like, we know that. Almost everybody here knows that. But the Ethiopian eunuch, he, he couldn't figure out, like, okay, what is this about? Is he referring to himself, somebody else? Who is he referring to? And so look at verse 35, and it says this, and Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, which meant there are others, he told him the good news about Jesus. 
if you have any time with a person who's asking you about God. The right answer is always Jesus. Jesus, let me tell you about Jesus. You'll eventually get bored with me, but let me tell you about my Jesus and what he's done in my life. He shared Jesus. Now, are y'all with me? Y'all tracking? You know what I mean when I do that. Come on, come in with me right here. I got you right where I want you. If you're the Ethiopian eunuch, call this man up in your chariot. Okay, you got some help. We hear that Philip shared the good news about Jesus, and we're like, okay, what next? Whoa, whoa. What's the good news? Well, we know Jesus came from heaven to the earth, died, rose from death, so we can be forgiven, right? The Ethiopian eunuch didn't have all that information, per se. Philip explained some of it. The good news is this. Scholars point out that Deuteronomy 23, verse 1, Old Testament. That passage basically says that that eunuchs may not, eunuchs should not, eunuchs are prohibited from entering the assembly of the Lord because of their castrated state. If you're a eunuch, how many of y'all know that's very that's very bad news? If you want to serve God, but you're a eunuch and you can't enter the assembly because you've been castrated? How many of y'all know, if you're a eunuch, put yourself in his shoes. How many of y'all know, that's bad news. I want to be a part, but the Bible says I can't be a part. You with me? That's the bad news. Philip goes on to share Paul Harvey the rest of the story. Because if you go on and read in Isaiah 56, listen carefully. The Bible points forward to a new day, a new covenant. And here's what Isaiah said, so he prophesied, let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I'm a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, in other words, for those who obey me, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, verse five, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. You're a eunuch, you can't have what? You can't have sons and daughters, but if you're obedient to God, you can't have them, but you can have him. You can have God and have a place in his assembly. No, like we hear that, like, okay, no, the dude who had been cut off from the assembly is prophesied that there's coming a day when he's going to be included, grafted in. I'll give him in my house and within my walls a monument and a name, a place, a name. I'll give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Are y'all learning the Bible today? Oh my gosh. Whoa. Isaiah looked forward to a day when this eunuch could become a full member of the community of God. And that day was made possible because of Jesus Christ who came from heaven to the earth and was cut off and crucified for the sins of the world. And Ben Witherington says it this way. This day points to this fact that although 
this new era points to the fact that although the Ethiopian eunuch could not be a full-fledged Jew because of his status, he could become a full-fledged follower of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody, give him a little praise if you got any revelation up at that. Watch, because of Philip, the eunuch went from confusion to clarity. Because of Philip, the eunuch went from being cut off to being grafted in to the people of God. What a day of rejoicing for this man in the desert. What could possibly be in the desert? Oh, just a man who for his life, for a good portion of it at least, has been cut off from the assembly of the Lord. But now, because of Philip's obedience, he, is, he has full VIP access to the people of God because of the blood of Jesus. What a story. So Philip obeyed, got up in that chariot, probably stood up like I'm standing right. Ah, Jesus! The guy, this man gets saved. Acts 8, 36 through 40, and as they were going along the road, eventually, I would add, they came to some water, a place of refreshing. And the eunuch said, see, here's some water. Philip must have talked about water baptism. Y'all got the baptism tank set up. He said, here's the water. What prevents me from being baptized? What? What willingness? Like, okay, that's easy. Jesus accepts me. I'm ready to get on board. What does he want me to do? Here's water. Why shouldn't I just dive face first in that water and get baptized? My paraphrase. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to, to what? To stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Check it out, verse 39. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. He just disappeared. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. I guess so, y'all. I guess so. The man who'd been cut off from the assembly is now apart, and his baptism was the public sign of the inward change that took place in his heart, the inclusion in the family of God. Check it out. Here's what I want you to see as we wrap up. All of this took place because of one man who said yes to God. <laughs> what could possibly be in the desert? Oh, more than you could ever imagine. More than you could ever imagine. Because see, Philip did his work. The EE gets saved. And he gets baptized. And we don't know all the details, so I don't want to say emphatically this is true, but reading between the lines, if you go on and read on in church history, St. Irenaeus, in about the year 180, as you all remember, about the year 180, he says this. This man, referring to the EE, this man, the eunuch, was also sent. Remember, Philip was sent, wasn't he? This man was also sent into the regions of Ethiopia to preach what he himself believed. Oh, you see some contagious Christianity going on. In other words, the treasurer found real spiritual treasure in Jesus. And how many of you know you don't bury that kind of treasure, you share it with everybody. And we don't know the extent to which he shared, 
But we do know from church tradition that when you get into the fourth century, there was a strong Christian presence in Ethiopia. And by the year 330, Christianity was the state religion of Ethiopia. How many of y'all know God can use one person to open up an entire nation for the gospel of Jesus Christ? One person's obedience, one man who was willing to say yes. We don't know all the connections and we don't know the extent of his influence, but we do know there was a Christian presence by the fourth century, probably because. Wow. How convicting. At the same time, how encouraging. It's been said, you never know what's on the other side of your obedience. Let me say it a different way. You never know who is on the other side of your obedience. The title of my message is Somebody's Waiting. Somebody's waiting for you and for me. In a place, from your perception, it looks like a desert, a place that you would never go. It's probably the very place that he wants to send you to minister the life giving word of God. As we pass through the valley of Baca, the psalmist says, we make it a place of springs. Come on, y'all, isn't that what we do? We make things better in Jesus' name. We're not called to merely, solely be faithful. God's called us to be. And you know how you get fruitful for Jesus? Listen to what he says and obey him as quickly as you can. Because you never know who is on the other side of your obedience. Pray, God, who would you have me minister to this week? Five minutes has the potential to change somebody's eternal destiny. Did y'all hear that? say, Lord, this week, going into this next week, Lord, would you show me the person that you want me to minister to? Oh, God, send me, and I'm going to get up in that man or that woman's chariot, and I'm going to tell him all about you. He'll show you if you pray, but you have to be obedient to go. Amen. Can we lift our hands to the Lord right now? Father, thank you for this incredible story. And Lord, I pray right now in your presence, Jesus, I pray that you would give us a heart for the lost, for the desert places, those in the desert places of this community. Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit afresh and anew. Lord, we say come. We know you're already here. That's just our way of saying, Lord, we want to be filled with the power and the presence of God in greater measure. Lord, I'm praying right now for everyone here with our hands raised and our hands lifted. God, I'm asking, Lord, that you would, you would, you would direct our attention away from earthly things, that you would set our gaze on heavenly things. Lord, that you would help us understand the seriousness of the mission of God. Lord, that people are lost. People are dying in their sin. And Lord, you've called us to go as Christians 
not to judge them, but to love them, to preach the gospel, to share the gospel. And so, Lord, today, beginning today, Lord, I'm praying for a new, a new, a new level of seriousness. I'm asking for, Lord, a new passion in us to be like Philip, to say yes. Lord, whatever you're saying, Lord, the answer is yes. Whatever it is today, Lord, the answer is yes. And so, Lord, in the words of St. Augustine, give what you command. Command whatever you will and give what you command. Lord, enable us. Empower us to be obedient. Because, Lord, we we don't want to just be faithful. We want to be fruitful. Fruitful for you. Fruitful for you, God. Come on, just stretch your hands to the Lord. God, we love you today. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. He's here. He's here. Holy Spirit, he's here in us. Holy Spirit, come and fill us. If you're here today, say, Pastor Scott, I want to be filled with the power of God. I want to be filled with his presence. I've been dry. If I'm honest, I've been dry. I've been in a desert place, not just circumstantially. My soul's been dry. My heart's been dry. I mean, I feel dried up and I want to be filled today. I want to go to that place of refreshing. If that's you, just, just raise your hand and just kind of wave it at me like that. Say, Pastor God, I want to be filled today. I want to be refreshed today. Come on, raise your hand, wave it at me. If that's you, go like this. Just wave it at me. Lord, thank you. If that's you, that's you right now. Come on, let's all stand to our feet. If that's you, if you waved your hand, I want you to come up here. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray right now. And God's going to fill this altar. He's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Don't be bashful. If you want to be filled, some of you don't have to come. You got filled up before you came today. It's totally good. But come on up here. Come on up here. If you want to be filled today, come on, I'm just going to pray. It's not going to hurt a bit. Come on down. Come on, come on. Make room. Come on this way. Come this way. Come on this way. You've been dry. You've been dry. Come on. Come on down. God's going to fill you today. It's nothing magical that I say or do. It's just, listen, it's our humility just to say, God, we need you. It's our humility to say, God, we can do nothing without you and with one another. So come on, if you're here at the altar, come on, would you just slip your hands up? Would you just go like this, like you're plugging into heaven? Holy Spirit, mighty God, we know you're here, but we pray right now that you would fill us fill us God we're dry some of us are dry Jesus baptize us afresh in the Holy Spirit Lord I'm praying right now for a fresh filling for fresh life Lord as we as we plug into you the ultimate power source Holy Spirit I'm praying for new life new energy I'm praying for depression to go and for joy to come Lord I'm praying for guilt to go and for forgiveness and restoration to come to be applied to our minds and our hearts God, I'm praying right now, Lord, for dreams and visions of the kingdom. I'm praying for an evangelistic impulse in all of us to go and to tell people about you, to invite people into our chariots and to get into others, to tell them, to help them, to lead them. God, we want your perfect will in our lives. Come on, just lift up your hands right now like you're stretching out to heaven. Mighty God, mighty God, we need you. We can do nothing without you. We can do nothing without you. We need you today. We need you, God. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Scott, I've got some sickness in my body. I've got cancer. It could be something else. Whatever it is, just wave, wave your hand. Go like this so I can see your hand. If you're here, you need a physical healing. Let me see your hand. Just go like this. Go like this. Okay, right now, if you see somebody around you, even in the seats, look, look for some. Go ahead, keep, keep your hand like that if you need physical healing. Look around. If you see someone like that, just stretch your hand toward them right now. Stretch your hand toward them just as an act of support. Lord, right now, even here at the altar, especially here, Lord, I should say there are several here. They need a healing touch from you. 
Holy Spirit, we pray. We pray in Jesus' name for total and complete healing. Come on, y'all, begin to lift your voices right now. Begin to cry out to God. Who cares who's around you? It doesn't matter how you sound. Just begin to cry out to God. Lord, we cry out to you right now. We need you today on this Sunday. We need you, God. We need you today, God. We need you in our marriages. We need you, God. In the dry places, in the dry spaces, come like a mighty rushing wind, like a mighty river and fill us, God. Oh, we, we invite you. You're welcome here, Holy Spirit. You're welcome here. Come and do what only you can do. Drive out depression. Drive it out, Lord. Drive out ungodly anxiety. Drive out the fear of this world. Drive in a fear of the Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Come on, y'all, just wait in His presence one more minute. We've been rushing all week long. Here to there, paying bills, taxiing people, meeting deadlines, signing checks and making deposits. And, but right now, the Lord wants to make a deposit in you. Holy Spirit, right now. Come on, just wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon Him, He's here. He's here. Wait, wait on, wait on. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, and He has anointed us to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted. Lord, we thank You for Your Spirit, Your Holy Spirit empowers us. One more time in this attitude of surrender, just go like this, hands out attitude of surrender. Lord, baptize us afresh with the Holy Spirit. Oh, tongues of fire, power. You're feeling that power, that hope arise within you right now. Oh, you've been so dry, but right now the Lord, He's filling you back up. He's filling you back up. He's filling y'all up right now. I see it right now in the Spirit. God, thank you for filling us. Thank you. Thank you. You never leave us. The Lord, you're filling us. New revelations of the kingdom of God. New power. New perspective. New perspectives. Lord, we thank you. The Holy Spirit, he's searching hearts. For those of you in your seat. Let him search your heart right now. Let him speak to you right now. He will. But let me encourage you, whatever he says, through his word and his spirit, just, just say yes. I promise you, it's worth it. Come on, how many of y'all know it's worth it? It's worth it. And so, Lord, we commit to you today. As you speak, we will listen. And Lord, with your help, we will obey. And so, Lord, we love you. Lord, you're just throwing enough words to say it. You're incredible. You are unbelievably good. 
and we love you. Thank you for not treating us as our sins deserve. Thank you for not throwing us into hell, but securing a place for us in heaven. And Lord, we make it our life's goal to bring heaven to the earth until we see you face to face, Jesus. And it's your incredible name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give him big praise today. Thank him. Come on, thank him. Come on, that's, that's not enough. Thank him. Thank you, God.